Here is your Radio Theater Channel weekly podcast for download. The RTC still has the very best old-time radio on the live streaming. And if it's music you love, tune in to the RTC Music Channel, where this link and many others are on our website at oldtimeradiolisten.com. Now, here's Jim. Hello and welcome everybody to the RTC Weekly Download. I'm your host, Jim Dolan. Well, this time we're going to do something a little different from the usual programs we play. We're going to do a history. This is an hour-long program, and those of you who are buffs of the Civil War or American history in general will probably enjoy this. This is Robert E. Lee, and it's from 1941. Great plays. As the first historical drama in its fourth annual series of great plays, the National Broadcasting Company presents Robert E. Lee by the late English poet and playwright John Drinkwater. Written in 1923 as a companion piece to his great dramatic success, Abraham Lincoln, Robert E. Lee further established Drinkwater's reputation as a writer of vivid and penetrating dramatic biography. Before we present the play as adapted for radio by Gordon Nugent, May we suggest that your enjoyment of the Great Plays series can be greatly enhanced by your obtaining a copy of the Listener's Aid, published through the cooperation of the University Press of Columbia University here in New York. Listen at the end of this program to learn how you may obtain a copy of the Great Plays Drama Guide containing complete information about this series. And now, John Drinkwater's Robert E. Lee. It is the morning of April 18, 1861. In a room of the War Office in Washington, General Scott, Commander-in-Chief of the United States Army, speaks to his orderly, whom he has just summoned. No message yet from the White House? Not since the news of Alabama's declaration of secession, sir. No. Bring me any message the second it comes. I'd like to know Virginia's decision before Colonel Lee arrives. I imagine if they go too, it'll be a long business, sir. Two years wouldn't settle it. Yes, and if Virginia goes, we shall lose Lee. Surely not, sir. A soldier all his life? I hope not, but I think so. Here, take this to Perrin, room 26. Yes, sir. Oh, Colonel Lee is here now, sir. Ask him to come in. The general will see you, sir. Thank you. Morning, Colonel. Good morning, sir. Sit down, please. Is that the President's suggestion that I asked you to come? I am honored, sir. The problem is at the moment common, lamentably common. But we felt that your case was a special one, or rather in a special sense, a representative one. The esteem in which you stand in Virginia, your personal record in the Army, make your views of particular importance. We consider that a personal interview is the proper way of learning them. I welcome your confidence. You are aware that six states have already declared for secession from the Union. I understood five. Alabama's decision came this morning. I had not heard. Do you approve? If I were a mere spectator of events, I should say no. A spectator? It can hardly be an abstract question with me, sir. You mean Virginia? Being a Virginian, yes, sir. Your mind is fixed? No. It is very gravely troubled. 
Virginia's decision is not yet announced. The convention was sitting late into the night, I hear. I gather that the indications are that she will follow the others. In view of what has happened, I fear so. You fear so? Yes. I am opposed to secession on principle. More, I do not think the issue upon which it is proposed a sufficient one. I would gladly see every slave freed, rather than that the union should be broken. You hold your commission under that union? I know, sir. It has made my life a fortunate one. But before anything else, I am a citizen of Virginia. If my state decides to dispute the authority of the service, in which I have for so long had the honor to be, I may regret the decision, but I may feel it my duty to respect it in my action. And let me put it more explicitly. The government, as you know, has declared war on the rebel states. The seceding states? The rebel states, Colonel Lee. Be plain about that. Major Anderson has been forced to surrender at Fort Sumter. The president's appeal for 75,000 men is being answered eagerly. We are facing no holiday campaign. Other states will doubtless join the rebels. Two years will hardly see it through. I should have said four, sir. I was discussing the situation as a whole with President Lincoln yesterday evening. You were much spoken of. There is no officer in the army of whom he has a higher opinion. I am grateful. He instructed me to offer you the command of all Union forces in the field. I may say for myself that I think that even so great a distinction has been fully earned, Colonel Lee. And I could make the offer to no one with so much satisfaction. The President's confidence and yours, sir, are very much above my merit. I cannot express my sense of this. But what am I to say? To say? To say? How do you mean, to say? Virginia has not spoken. The army that you serve calls you to lead it. And you ask what you shall say. To lead it against whom? Against rebels to their country. It may be against Virginia. Then still against rebels. Against my own people. You may be asking me to invade, perhaps to destroy my own homeland. Do you wonder still that I answer, what am I to say? Suppose Virginia were to stand with the Union. It's unlikely. But then I am merely a lieutenant colonel. And otherwise? I think I should have to offer my resignation. I would like 24 hours in which to decide, but I can see but one conclusion open to me. Come in. This letter has just been brought from the White House, sir. It was to be given to you at once. All right. Excuse me, Colonel. From the President. Virginia has declared for secession. Virginia. Fifty-three years of age. I beg your pardon, sir. Is there anything else to say? Thirty of those years you have been a gallant soldier, Colonel Lee. I do not forget our days together in Mexico. Think of them, too. It would be a hard day should you turn rebel. No, 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 no. It's the only word. You have your twenty-four hours. Thank you, sir. I do not accept the word, and I can foresee but one answer. But I thank you. And I shall care deeply for your respect if I can keep it. Goodbye. Goodbye. It is early afternoon of the same day, 
But now we are in the woods near Arlington, Virginia. Having finished their midday meal, three young hunters are breaking camp in preparation for returning home. Well, that's been a good trip. You never shot better, David. I don't know that I wouldn't just as soon miss. I thought we all shot rather well. Well, Ray, we may all need to before long. I suppose it's all known by now. I expect your father was right. Yes, we shall be in it, sure enough. He said he should certainly vote for seceding at the convention. In fact, all the Warringtons feel that way about it. Well, of course, if the Warringtons say so. Well, they've had a good deal to do with making Virginia. You can't get over that. I wonder whether they've sent for Colonel Lee at uh, Washington yet. Perhaps we shall hear about it tonight. I shouldn't be surprised if Colonel Lee calls the party off. What do you suppose he will do? Lee of Virginia? What Virginia does, of course. Well, I saw him at Arlington a month ago. He didn't think there was any chance of trouble then. Well, there oughtn't to have been any chance. We ought to have gotten together over it somehow. These political fellows will do anything with you. But you can't have Washington interfering like that. Slavery is part of the Constitution anyway. But where's the sense of killing each other about it? The question will still be there when half of us are shot to pieces. Well, we don't want to fight. We only ask to be let alone. Yeah, well, Mr. Lincoln doesn't see it like that. But what does Mr. Lincoln know about Virginia? He happens to be president. You don't know that. We may be out of it by now. Quite right, too, if we are. The Warringtons have been at Mount Weston 170 years. What can the backwoods of Illinois know about people like that? Have you seen him, Ray? No, and I don't want to. Well, I heard he's inaugural, and there's something great about him. Well, you talk as though you thought we ought to give in, David. No, I don't really know enough about it. I only feel that the people who do know ought somehow to understand each other and keep the thing straight. But if Virginia went out, uh, you wouldn't hesitate, would you? Of course I shouldn't. As far as that goes, we're in war on one side or the other, whatever Virginia does. And so we're certain to go. Virginia in particular doesn't seem to me to matter so much. What are you talking about? Of course Virginia matters. You're not very quick sometimes, Ray. Well, I'm going to be quick about this. If Virginia is out, I'm in the army tomorrow. Oh, naturally, we shall all be that. We shall all be that. Ah, it'll be a great thing. Yeah, it's like shooting straight. Two Warringtons were with George Washington at Yorktown. I've heard them say that Colonel Lee is the best brain in the army. Mr. Lincoln won't, won't, won't want to lose him. But he will. Lee for Virginia. Don't you make any mistake about that. He'll be a man to follow. Yes, it'll be bare feet before we're finished. If we live to finish. What nonsense. They'll just beat against us till they're tired out. And who knows, we may smash Washington itself. Oh, we'll fight well enough, as well as they. Better, if you like. But I can see all ahead. One year. Two. Three. Perhaps four. And we shall win today and today. And then always tomorrow we shall wake up and see them. The beaten ones. Before us, stronger and bigger than ever. And our clothes will wear out. And we shall be hungry. And we shall have nothing to shoot straight with anymore. And there will be just... graves. And a story. And America. Here, yeah, I say, you're pretty dismal, David. Well, it's worth coming to bare feet for anyway. Yeah, it's worth it. Once you think it over, it's worth it. That's the mystery. Well, I don't see any mystery. It's just a plain quarrel, and it's an old way of settling it. Old and strange. Well, I don't see it. Well, here comes Duff. We better go now. Well, we'll have to if we're going to be at the party on time. Duff will take that banjo to war with him. <laughs> oh, and here's Duff Penner on the old banjo. <laughs> <laughs> I've told you before about that, Duff. Well, you go on telling, Tommy boy. I've thought it all out. I've played it out, you might say. Virginia said, are you going to give way? And no, sir, said Virginia. No, Duff, no, not on your life and your old banjo. So I'm for a soldier. I shall say to Colonel Lee tonight, Colonel, I'm for a soldier. Now, boys, we're all for soldiers, aren't we? Yep, we're all for soldiers, Duff. Well, then let's all say to Colonel Lee, 
Colonel, we're all for soldiers, and we want to be with you, and we want to be together. That's good, Duff. Together is good. Shall we? Must that banjo go, too? <laughs> <laughs> David Peel, your name may be David, but you're a Philistine. <laughs> <laughs> Admirable banjo. Well, I dare say we shall need it. Banjos won't be very common. Well, you know, that sounds simple enough, but I can't understand even that. Well, I'm sorry, Ray. I mean to be plain. <laughs> it seems to me you're always flitting around the corner. Yeah, well, there aren't many straight roads for us. Now, there you go again. I find plenty. Straight or twisting, we shall be together, though. Yeah, no more hunting. For which one of us? I wonder. Oh, don't think things like that, David. They just think themselves, don't they? We've just got to think one thing. Hit and hit hard. Now, don't you worry about me, Ray. Well, come along and we'll never make the party. All ready? Let's go. Uh, to the tune of Dixie, by order of the day. To the land, to, to the, the land, to the land, to the land. I wish I was a Dixie. Away, away. I think it's wonderful of Colonel Lee, don't you, Tom? You mean holding the party after all? Uh-huh. I wonder what he'll say. Mrs. Lee tells me his answer has to be given by 12 o'clock tomorrow. Tom? Yes, sir? You said you wanted to speak to me? Uh, yes, Colonel Lee. Uh, but would you mind if I fetch David, Ray, and Duff? Certainly not. Colonel Lee, I suppose that has got to be fighting. I'm afraid so, Betty. A lot of it. Tom and I would be married next month. I shouldn't put it off. But mightn't it be worse for him? You're a dear girl, Betty. Of course not. Very much better for him, whatever happens. Then we shall. I saw you talking with Mr. and Mrs. Steen. I guess you know they're going back to Massachusetts. And she, a Virginian. It's hard for him, too. He has many good friends here. But he belongs to Massachusetts at heart, as we to Virginia. Everyone says that the South is sure to offer you something high up. I don't seek it. Well, another kind of convention, eh? <laughs> you see, sir, we may not get another chance of speaking to you again like this. We don't know what you're going to do, and it's not for us to ask, but, well, there's certain to be a call for volunteers tomorrow, I suppose, sir. I expect so. Well, then David, Ray, Duff, and I are going to join. Yes, we're, we're all for soldiers, sir. Well? And uh, if you are on Virginia's side, sir... If I am on Virginia's side... I beg your pardon, sir. Well, it wasn't for us to assume what you were going to do, sir. All right, Tom, only... It's no matter. What is it? And we want to serve together, and we hope that it might be possible for you to let us do it under you, sir. let them, Colonel Lee. I know my father would be awfully pleased if you said yes, sir. He's a very old friend of mine, Ray. Very well, Tom. I'll do what I can, I promise. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, do you think, please, I could be allowed to take a small matter of a banjo with me? I shouldn't ask that officially, if I were you, Duff. <laughs> <laughs> I see, sir, just a private banjo. Keep in touch with me, well, all of you. Goodbye. Good night, sir. Goodbye. Thanks again, sir. Good night. May I speak to you, Colonel Lee? Why, certainly, David. It's no good pretending it's just a guest and his host now. It's Colonel Lee and one of the thousands of young Virginians. You haven't answered Washington yet, sir, but we all know well enough what your answer will be. And I'm going to join the army tomorrow to fight against whom? Well, the fellow just the other side of the Potomac there. So that's all settled. But will you answer me a question, sir? If I can. 
Are you happy about Virginia, sir? David, my boy, I was bred and have lived as a soldier. I think the politicians are often foolish enough, and stubborn too. But you've got to leave these things to them. If they make mistakes, so should we. Whichever way the decision had gone, there would have been some misgiving. Yes, but I can't help thinking that the quarrel, whatever it is, is so little besides the desolation that's coming. I know. But everybody feels that, really. The trouble is that the world goes on without caring for our feelings. Only an odd adventurer here and there really wants wars. But the strain comes, and men's wits break under it, and fighting is the only way out. A weak way, but the only one. But if everyone had sense of... Everyone has, up to the strain at breaking point. War is the anger of bewildered peoples in front of questions that they can't answer. But these questions that they can't answer will come, and the anger will come too. I loathe war. I've seen too much of it. But I've never regretted being a soldier. Then you do think that they may be as right as we are, or we as wrong as they. Robert Lee may think it, but Virginia cannot and must not think it. And Robert Lee is now part of Virginia. You aren't David Peel any longer. You are a part of a people that cannot answer a question. You may be wiser than Virginia, but your wisdom doesn't matter till she doesn't need you anymore in her quarrel. I can see it no other way. Then, sir... Sorry, but that would be impertinent. No, ask anything. Well, everybody knows about your seeing General Scott this morning, sir. Why did you feel that you couldn't give your answer then? Because the habit of 30 years is difficult to throw off in a moment. I wanted to keep an open mind, for a few hours if possible, for any consideration to come in that might. So much depended on the answer. But I had little doubt as to what it would be, and now I am sure. I shall write my letter of resignation at once. David, are you out there? Yes, Duff, I'm coming. Well, what's been keep... Oh, pardon me, sir. That's all right, Duff. I was just leaving myself. Well, good night, Colonel Lee. Good night, Duff. But it's not Colonel Lee any longer. Not Colonel. Oh, may I shake your hand, sir? Lee of Virginia. June 30th, 1862, the evening before the action at Melvin Hill, which closed the seven days battle before Richmond. At the approach to the hill, just outside the tent of General J.E.B. Stewart, commander of the Confederate cavalry, David Peel lies at full length on his stomach, rifle in hand, watching the distance. Near him lie Ray Warrington asleep, Duff Penner trying in vain to start a conversation. Ray? <clears throat> Private Warrington. Nice sociable party this is. Anybody else tried to walk across the gap, David? You'll hear about it if they do, Duff. And don't talk. Mm. Well, I'm very much obliged, I'm sure. Have another cigar, Duff? Thank you, Duff, I will. What'd you get him, David? Yeah, that's the third. Man, three out of three. Yeah, a nice occupation for a fine June evening, isn't it? Well, they should go to bed. To bed? Yeah. It is pretty bloody. Just. Uh, well, good evening, Ray. Oh, uh, I've been asleep. Yeah, for three hours. Uh, 
Where are we? Approaching Malvern Hill. Very unhealthy neighborhood. Change here for death or glory. Well, I remember. I say, Duff, old man, that was a devil of a mess this morning. I, I should never have got out if you hadn't turned up. Yeah, he's to be promoted for it. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, you were splendid. Well, I'll take your word for it. I don't remember it myself. <laughs> That's a good laugh after 14 months of this sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Jeb Stewart will laugh at his funeral. Oh, not so old. They say he's only 30. Have you uh, heard anything about tomorrow? Well, General Jackson is expected here in the morning. Stonewall? Then we shall do it. Tom said there was something about General Lee coming here to see old Jeb tonight. See, I, I want to see Tom. Want to go with me? Well, might as well. Can't get any conversation out of David here. General Lee seems to find time to do everything. I know. I wonder he doesn't send for yeah, Wait for General Lee at the foot of the hill. He may be there in time, I don't know. Well, what's been going on, Peel? Two more since I saw you, sir. Yeah, that ought to discourage him. <clears throat> You're a very special sort of cavalryman, David. Uh-huh. Again? Yes, sir. Well, that ought to sell it. Now, here comes General now. Good evening, sir. Good evening, General. Your aid is with mine at the foot of the hill. Sit down, General. Thank you, sir. Uh, by the way, sir, I, uh, I suppose we can count David Peel there as, uh, as death. Hello, David. Good evening, sir. What's he doing? Well, they've been sending scouts across Taylor's farm all evening there, trying to see what's happening on our left. There's just one point where they missed cover. Peel's been watching it. I see. We can leave him to it. Why didn't you send for me, sir? No, I wanted to walk. About tomorrow. Yes, sir. Those people have a very strong position. We've driven them for a week, but there they are. They grow as you kill them. To take that hill tomorrow will be to send our men through hell. But we shall get there. The question is whether we can destroy them. We must destroy them. What am I to do, sir? You may not be there. Not there, sir, but... Uh... No. That's what I wanted to see you myself for. We depend more than anything else on having Jackson with us. Well, sir? He's having great difficulty in getting through. I want you to go back, cross the river, get in touch with him, shepherd him into the field tomorrow. I can do without you, but I can't do without him. I understand, sir. It's all right, Jeb, my boy. I wouldn't change my cavalry command for anything. But that's how cavalry can best serve us tomorrow. Get him here by noon if you can. Well, I've orders given at once, sir. We can be away by five in the morning. We should be in touch with General Jackson by eight. You're clear as to where to cross the river? Yes, sir. But uh, I should like you to look at the map with me. You've sharp eyes, David. Did he get by? No, sir. Quite clear in the moonlight. Come along, then, General. Yes, sir. Hello, David. General Lee come yet? Yeah, he's in General Stewart's tent now. What brought you back? <laughs> Forgot my banjo. You'd better stay, Duff. I think General will be wanting you. Old Jim? Yep. Do you remember that day in the woods at Arlington? Sure do. Well, I told Tom and Ray then. What? This. How this? Well, we've won battles for a year. We've won them every day for a week. We've beaten them and beaten them. And there they are. There they are, certainly. And they'll be there longer than we shall. That's all. Oh, say, David, you give me the shivers. Perhaps in the end we shall only have one thing. What's that? Robert E. Lee. It is early evening of the next day, July the 1st, 1862. The action on Malvern Hill has been in progress for three hours. Watching the action from a hillside vantage ground is General Lee. 
But now he turns from the battlefield as Tom Buchanan hurries toward him. General Stewart is ready, sir. Yes, I see. But we aren't. We can't move them yet. Hasn't Captain Mason arrived, sir, with a message from Hurd's battery? He was shot through the heart as he delivered it, Tom. I put him under that tree. You ought to find cover, sir. It would be disastrous look if here, anything... Tom. You're the third to tell me that. One would think this army's business was to look after me. It's mine to look after it and myself. Yeah, but you can't look after it if you get shot, sir. Don't argue. Anyway, David's on lookout just above us. Any news of Betty? <laughs> yes, sir. I've got a son. Splendid. Give her my love. Yeah, thank you, sir. She... Uh... Tom, my boy. Oh, it's... It's nothing, sir. Just my arm. Really nothing. David! It's just one man who was sniping at you, sir. I've been watching his smoke for an hour. He won't shoot again, sir. Tom is hit, David. Fetch a doctor. Oh, it isn't anything at all, sir. I, I'd rather go to a doctor myself. Are you sure, Tom? Really. All right, Tom. Go ahead. David, can you see what's moving down there by the barn? I think it's Hurt's battery moving forward, sir. That's it. That means McClellan is moving, too. He'll be in retreat before dark. But he's going to get away. He's going to get away. But Richmond is safe, sir. If we could have destroyed him. There go Ewell's men. If Hill can hold out for five minutes, it's a terrible place to cross. They're doing it. Yes, yes, now. If Whiting can come in from the left. Uh, here's your aid, sir. Yes, Knox? General Jackson is dismounting below, sir. He'll be right up. Good. Go to General Stewart, David, and tell him to come here. Yes, sir. General Jackson, you managed to get through. I was held up 20 times, sir. But I got here with the help of Stewart. Where's Whiting? I think he'll join Hill's left almost at once. There's just one gap. One gap about 200 yards. It begins just there, beyond that footbridge. I left Hewitt with the third Carolinians to get across to it. If we fill that, Whiting and Hill will be in touch. But it's a bad place to get to. I don't see any movement there. No. No, and I don't like it. If we can destroy McClellan tonight. If he gets away, it means beginning all over again. Here, what's this? I thought you left Hewitt down there. Hewitt? What are you doing here, man? It's no good, sir. I can't get across. I've set them twice and light them twice. Every yard of the way is swept. You must get across. The whole line depends on it, Colonel. Half my Carolinians are killed already. Get across for the other half. Don't stop. Go on till there's other man standing. That gap has got to be closed. There's no one else to close it. It's annihilation, sir. Nothing can live there. Colonel, I always endeavor to take care of my wounded and to bury my dead. You have heard my order? Obey it. Yes, sir. Hewitt is a good fellow. None of he doesn't fill that gap, sir. It's a beautiful line now. Look at it. All but that little blank. Yeah. It shall be filled. Where are you going? I'll take them across it myself. You mustn't. I must, sir. General Jackson. Very well, sir. But... Uh... If any man can get them across, Hewitt can. To lose you would be to lose my right arm, Jackson. Isn't that Jeb Stewart coming up the hill? Yes, I sent for him. Take his horse, Scott. Yes, sir. Good evening, General. Good evening, General. Good evening, sir. You brought General Jackson through all right, Jeb. It was very well done. Yeah, thank you, sir. Couldn't I move out beyond General Whiting now? I'm sure I could drive right in on our center there. That's just what you couldn't do, Jeb. They've got earthworks on their right that would defeat all the cavalry in the world. I've seen them, and I know. You've seen them, sir? Yes, last night. <laughs> you tell us to be careful, sir. You set us a very bad example. Well, you can't move until they do. We can't get around them. We've got to go through them or after them. Mm, of course, you say so, sir. I'm tired of sitting and looking on, and they put a bullet through Penner's band, sir. Don't make things any more cheerful. What's that happening there? It's my Carolinian, sir. You're just trying to get by on this side of the bridge. He's splendid. He's going to do it. Knox, 
Go to General Huger. Tell him to drive their left back round on Magruder if he can. Yeah, you would have any more than a couple of hundred men left. There'll be enough to hold it if they get there. He's through. Oh, he's down. I must go, sir. I must. You could I do... told you. I told you. They'll break. They are breaking. You could do no more than he has done. They're coming back. Hardly a hundred of them. We must go again. I've still got my own 53rd, sir. They're worn out, but they'll go with me. Let me take them, sir. It's too late now. It'll be dark in ten minutes. Somebody's fetching Hewitt. That's brave of him. No, Jackson. Time has beaten us. They'll get away. Enough of them to give us no rest. If we could have attacked this morning... I'm sorry, sir. It wasn't your fault. If it had been in human power for you to have got here last night, you would have done it. I know that. Look, though. They are retreating. Now then, Jeb, my boy, you can go. It's a clear road for you now, straight up the front slope. Yes, sir. I'm all right now, sir. Can you use me? No, Tom. Sit down and rest. What did the doctor say? It's broken, but not serious. And I really don't need a rest, sir. Will nobody obey me? Sit down. Couldn't I go to General Stewart, sir? General Stewart will be in pursuit of the enemy in a few minutes. Well, then I really ought to be with him, sir. Don't be foolish, Tom. And for the last time, sit down. The doctor should have kept you. Look, it was David Peel who fetched Hewitt. I'll go meet them. Hewitt looks badly hurt. He insisted on being brought to you, sir. It's the lung, sir. I'm sorry, General Jackson. I... You were magnificent, Colonel. I had to send you. If they had given me another... Tell General Lee. Colonel Hewitt? Mm. Dead, sir. And you were right. I couldn't have done it as well. I'd better join my men now, sir. Yes, do, General. Report to me in the morning. Yes, sir. David, you're a very gallant boy. Anyone would have done it, sir. We can move further up the hill now. You and Tom go ahead. I'll be right along. Yes, sir. And David? Yes, sir. See that bearers are sent for Captain Mason and Colonel Hewitt. Yes, sir. Mason. Hewitt. All those down there. Have mercy upon us. It is now early evening of Sunday, May 10th, 1863. The scene is the room of Jefferson Davis, President of the Confederacy in Richmond, Virginia. General Lee has just been ushered into the room. You got my letter, General? Yes, Mr. President. I hope it was clear. It is not for me to question your judgment, but I thought it necessary to tell you again just what I felt. You are anxious, of course. We all are. But I suggest that anxiety may be indulged too freely. As you will, Mr. President. I know very well that my place is to command the army in the field. But I cannot avoid thinking. How far, I must ask myself, will the resources of that army take us? It's been suggested by certain journals that you should be given entire control, both of the army and of policy. You know very well that such proposals cause me nothing but distress. Further, I see very clearly that our troubles at all times have but one cause. If I had been able to secure the destruction of the enemy, we should now have no difficulties. 
In the circumstances, if anyone should be removed, it should be the military commander. I beg you will not say these things. Your successes are the pride and the only assurance of us all. Now again, nothing has been so decisive as Chancellorville. Not decisive, Mr. President. That is just it. We win battles constantly, but we get no nearer to a decision. That is why I raise this question again. You can appear now at the head of a victorious army. As I told you in my letter, reunion with the North is to me unthinkable. The only proposal I will make is for unconditional peace. Washington drove us out of the Union. Very well. We will stay out on our own terms. They, of course, do not admit that. Do you think they need your advocacy, General Lee? Mr. President... No, no, I beg your pardon. Oh, I know you think I am very short-sighted. Indeed, I think nothing of the sort. I desire exactly what you desire, but I must consider the possibilities of getting it. If I did not advise you from my knowledge of the army, I should fail in my duty. But the army isn't going to fall to pieces, is it? Supplies have already begun to be very irregular. What is the good of telling me that? I'm doing everything I can. But the people as a whole are not. Last winter, even, we had none too much of clothes or food. In less than six months, winter will be here again. The North grows stronger every week. Do we? I tell you I won't accept the only terms that I know Mr. Lincoln would give. Reunion. Very well, sir. We must go on. Yes? Dispatch for General Lee. Thank you. No. What is it? Jackson is dying. No, no, he can't. Just from that wound at Chancellorville? But they said all danger was gone. It was just an arm. He can't be dying. He can't. It would be a heavy loss. Any recommendation you may make, General? Recommendation? Yes, we must go on. I understand. And I ask you not to allow these political considerations to hamper you. We stand for the honor of the South. It can be vindicated only by our complete success or our destruction. For the honor of the South, Mr. President, I am not unmindful of it. It should have been my life. He is a better man than I, abler to serve you. He is a great man, and you are generous. But you alone could not be replaced, General. You don't know Jackson, Mr. President, not as I do. I must go to him. Yes? Another dispatch for General Lee, sir. Very well. He is dead. Good night, Mr. President. I return in the morning. Your information as to my movements is clear? Yes. Good night, General. I'll do all I can about supplies. If you please. My men complain very little. Again, a year later, 6.30 in the morning of May 12, 1864. The scene, a room in a war-scarred farmhouse, Lee's headquarters during the battles around Spotsylvania Courthouse. 
On a wooden bench, roughly improvised as a bed, Ray Warrington lies asleep, a bandage round his head. Seated at a table with maps and paper before them are Lee's aide and Tom Buchanan. Their uniforms are ragged. Their boots are worn and broken. Well, I'm afraid I must wake the general. He said two hours, and it's over that now. I wish we could give him more. Are you awake, sir? Yes. Yes. It's half past six, sir. Oh, yes. Thank you. How is Warrington? Rather restless, sir, but I don't think it's anything serious. A little dazed still. Do you think he might use your bed for an hour or two, sir? Of course. Why didn't you suggest it before? I could have done very well here. It was careless of me. Ray! Ray! Uh, uh, what is it? There's a bed for you. You'll rest easier now. Here, let me help you. I'm very sorry about that paper, General. I can't think... That's how... all right, my boy. You told me all I wanted to know. I can't remember. You know the Warrington's always... There's uh... nothing to be troubled about at all, Ray. You must have a good sleep. Come along, Ray. You must lie down. It's very good of you to take so much trouble. It was a terrible strain for him, poor fellow. It was fine of him. Everybody is fine. I wish we could do something for him. Isn't there a little of that jelly left? I'm afraid there's been none for a week, sir. No. Is there any word from General Stewart yet, Tom? No, sir. I, I asked ten, ten minutes ago. The field wire still isn't working, sir. I'm afraid it's cut. Anything from Richmond? They were all right an hour ago. They thought General Stewart had held Sheridan up. It had given them time, and... They seemed hopeful. Couldn't you rest for another hour or two, sir? General Grant won't be able to attack again until midday in any case. Everything you ordered has been done, sir. You really need a rest, sir. No, I must go and see Ewell before Grant strikes. It's too much to ask of him. Too much. But it must be. How many men has he? Between eight and ten thousand, sir. And Grant can use forty thousand at least there. It's more than any man can do. I was talking to Pearson last night, sir. He says General Ewell is very troubled about it. The Johnson disaster is a great blow to him. He thinks he may be destroyed altogether today. I know. I know. Petersburg is our only hope. Siege. And then... Knox, write this to the President. Yes, sir. His Excellency, President Davis. Mr. President. I have the honor, again to bring to your notice, the extremely precarious condition of our army in the field. Repeated assaults upon our lines by General Grant with a force. But in the open field, I can no longer look for any favorable results. I do not wish to call upon a devotion and heroism which have never been excelled for one moment after there has ceased to be a reasonable hope of their being rewarded by victory in the end. Unless, therefore, your excellency has some reason which I have overlooked to urge against such a course, I propose to withdraw this army to Petersburg as soon as I can do so. I have the honor to be with high respect your obedient servant. I would have died rather than write it. That time, my boy, you see I have failed. No, you haven't, sir. Not a man in the world will think it. You have given our South a name forever. No, it's you, all of you that have done that. Virginia trusted me. They all did. And I was not good enough. 
But there, I must not talk like this. We must go on right to the end. Don't remember anything that I've said. I must go now to you. Ah, soup. Three cups of it. It's thin, sir, but it's hot. It's very kind of you, Mrs. Meadows. It isn't kind at all, sir. There's a sick man in there, Mrs. Meadows. You must keep this for him. Indeed, no, sir. There's another cup. And what are you having for breakfast yourself? There's plenty of breakfast for me, sir. I never was much of a one for breakfast. Tom, take this to Warrington, please. Please, sir. Now, now. I want to feel like a hero, you know. Um. But really, oh, sir, uh, Captain Buchanan. Very well, sir. But you must have some breakfast, sir. Not every day. You ought to have some today. You're not well, sir. Anyone can see that. I really don't need anything this morning. There's an egg, sir, for your dinner. Thank you. When I come back. All right, Knox. Get that letter through at once. No, send it by telegraph. I should be back in an hour. Good morning, sir. David, what's this? Well, the wire broke, broke down at midnight, sir, and so they had to send me direct to you. I left at one o'clock. Should have been here before, sir, but I had to go around Vanham's to keep clear of the army. What's the news, David? Good and bad, sir. We've held General Sheridan up for three days, and I think Richmond can keep him out now. Yes. But General Stewart is killed, sir. Stewart. Yes, sir. He was hit yesterday evening at Yellow Tavern, and he died at half past twelve this morning. Stuart gone. You must rest, David. I'm going to you. Jeb Stewart. He was magnificent, Tom. Right in the thick of it all the time. We implored him, but he wouldn't take any notice. Tom, the end is coming. Have you had any food? I got my rations before I started. I'm afraid we... Oh, now, that's all right. <clears throat> Did old Jeb suffer much? Well, he was unconscious most of the time. <clears throat> all he asked for was duff. The banjo? Yeah. <laughs> what a man to love. We've got to get into Petersburg. Ray's in the other room. He's been badly shaken up. Well, the general seems worn out, too. The greatest heart in the world. And it's pretty near breaking. No. What's to be done? Word has just come from Ewell that he's had to engage already. If the chief finds him in action, nothing will keep him out of it. He's desperate. Well, I'll see if I can catch him. He wouldn't be going fast. He'll probably come back and direct roads. As long as he doesn't get there and see it... Well, he's still here. General Ewell is in action. I picked the message up. Let General Rhodes know that I want him to move in from the left to the center in 15 minutes' time and send the 4th and ninth batteries down to General Ewell's right at once. They must keep him from being cut off at any cost. Yes, sir. At any cost. Peel, you stay here till further notice and Captain... Knox... Why aren't you on your way? I just got another report, sir. General Ewell is wounded. Take those orders. Captain Buchanan, come with me. Shall I find you here, sir? Not for a time. I shall take over General Ewell's command myself. There's nothing more for me to do now. Oh, but there's everything for you to do, sir. If we lost Knox, you... those orders, please. Yes, sir. Come, Tom. Please, sir, you mustn't. You mustn't. Look, let me speak to you that night at Arlington. Now, let me speak to you again, sir. You must not go. It isn't brave to die now, sir. We all want to die in days like these. The South is dying, but there's nobody to save it but you, sir. You must keep the South alive for the years to come. We all know we can't win, but we haven't lost our courage, and we want you to use it, sir, not to die for it, but to live for it, so that when the end comes, we may be able to follow you still. To die would be to give in, sir. You are right, David. We will go on to the end, together.
And now, that end has come. The time is late afternoon of April 10th, 1865. The scene is the line of Lee's army in retreat near Appomattox. Propped against a heap of debris, Duff Penner is lying with the remains of an overcoat covering him. Seated on either side of him are David Peel and Ray Warrington. All are in the last stages of fatigue and destitution. Any easier, Duff? I don't feel it much now. Funny. On the last day... How long have I been here? Over 24 hours. Doctor's just gone. Whose tent is that? General Lee's. Don't you remember? He had you brought here. Yeah, so he did. That was kind of him. Okay, did the doctor say anything about something to eat? Presently. Oh, of course, there isn't anything, is there? Well, there will be presently. Yeah, it's the last day, isn't it? Has General Lee gone? They should be back soon. He's with Grant now. Does the doctor think there's any chance? Well, of course he does. You're going to get through all right. Am I? Truth, you know. We shall be able to move you this afternoon. Will that help? I don't feel... Am I going to die? Well, David told you no. Yes, you did, David. A really tough old man. Look, it missed the backbone. Now, as soon as we can get you into proper quarters, you'll pull together in no time. Sure, I'm a coward to worry about it. All the army's dying today, really, isn't it? Well, it's coming to an end. Yes. Dying. Beginning to live, perhaps. Lee's army. Lee of Virginia. I'm glad I've done that for the Warringtons. Say, have you fellas been looking after me ever since I was hit? Well, we've just been sitting here watching you. You're very good. <laughs> I suppose the old banjo's gone, huh? <laughs> I'm afraid so, Duff. Gosh, I'm sorry. Old Jeb gave that to me after, after the other one got smashed up. Aren't you fellas hungry? Oh, David and I have discussed that matter for several hours and have decided that uh, we are not. <laughs> I suppose you don't know the terms of surrender. No, but a little food is about all we can hope for. And then we've got to build a world for ourselves. Out of nothing? Out of a memory. There are worse foundations. It's very unfortunate about that banjo. Had a whole lot of memories. You know, I wish I was in the land of cotton... Cinnamon seed and sandy bottom. To the land, to the land, to the... Oh, David. David, boy, it wasn't the truth. There, there, now. It'll be all right. No, the doctor was wrong. I'm... Oh, Duff. Now, look, it'll go in a minute. Don't be frightened. No, I'm, I'm not frightened. I'm dying. What can we do, David? Goodbye, Ray, old fella. Goodbye, David. Boy, we... We've had great times, haven't we? I wish I could have seen General Lee say goodbye to him for me and give my love to... Oh, Tom. Duff. Duff. He's dead. Just thrown away when a little warmth and attention would have done it. And he couldn't have them. He saved my life that day at Frazier's. And I could do nothing but sit here useless hour after hour. He was a great old Duff. After four years to... Yeah. Well, there's no bitterness for him now. Bitterness? <laughs> we're too tired. Yeah, and that's what we're going to have to fight now. In ourselves and our children, perhaps. Just lean, dull days coming. And they breed it. You said we should have to build on a memory. If we can keep a memory a clean one. Duff, 
won't know about that, Circle. Oh, here they come, General Lee and Tom. You needn't stand. Rest. What's this? He's dead, sir. He wanted to say goodbye to you, sir. I must finish my report. Will you wait, Tom? I want you to take down an order directly. Duff, old friend. He sent his love to you, Tom. He hadn't a fair chance. We couldn't do a thing. Well, it's all over. What's happened? The general was superb. No political matters were mentioned. Grant behaved very well. But we've lost pretty near everything, David. What are we to do? I think we're to go home, Ray. Home? <laughs> there isn't a Mount Weston anymore. Sherman's been there. Uh, did the general say anything afterwards? Not a word, all the way back. You think he knows how much we love him? I'm sure he does. And yet he's terribly alone. I'll go and get them to move Duff. I'm ready now, Tom. Will you take this down, please? Shall I go, sir? No, David. It's for everybody. Headquarters, Army of Northern Virginia. April 10th, 1865. General Order Number 9. After four years of arduous service, marked by unsurpassed courage and fortitude, the Army of Northern Virginia has been compelled to yield to overwhelming numbers and resources. I need not tell the survivors of so many hard-fought battles who have remained steadfast to the last that I have consented to this result from no distrust of them. But feeling that valor and devotion could accomplish nothing that would compensate for the loss that must have attended the continuance of the contest, I determined to avoid useless sacrifice of those whose past services have endeared to their countrymen. By the terms of the agreement, officers and men can return to their homes and remain until exchanged. You may take with you the satisfaction that proceeds from the consciousness of duty faithfully performed. And I earnestly pray that a merciful God will extend to you his blessing and protection. With an unceasing admiration of your constancy and devotion to your country, and a grateful remembrance of your kind and generous consideration of myself, I bid you all an affectionate farewell. You know, sir, that we would have gone with you. My boy. Yes, sir, clothes and food and boots didn't matter. We would have gone on, sir. I know, David. I've seen it. But it couldn't have changed anything. There is other service now. Poor Duff. I think so often of what you said that night in Arlington, sir. You may be wiser than Virginia, you said. But your wisdom doesn't matter till she doesn't need you anymore in her quarrel. Is the quarrel over now, sir? To learn that, to teach it, that is the other service. 
Duff and his thousands have given their all for the quarrel. They have died for Virginia. We live. And again, we are just Virginians no longer. We have now to live for America. But will they let us, sir? We asked no leave four years ago. We shall ask none now. But we have the courage still that we had then. We used it for Virginia. We shall use it for America. We must build our South again and find our own hearts in that service. We had a loyalty. We have a loyalty. Virginia knows us. She will know us forever. But we are Americans once more. We must not dispute about it. I see you. Yes. To learn and to teach. I've written out the order, sir. Will you read it over? Yes, Tom. Thank you. I'll take it to the tent. If he could speak to every man in this land of ours. He will. Today's great play, Robert E. Lee by John Drinkwater, featured Neil O'Malley as General Lee. The part of David was played by G. Albert Smith. Duff was Peter Donald. Tom was played by Raymond Bramley and Ray by Joseph Curtin. Also in the cast were Winfield Honey, Dorothy Sands, Ted Jewett, Charles Webster, Nancy Marshall, William Pringle, and Elliot Reed. The special music was prepared by Tom Bennett, and the orchestra was conducted by Joseph Haunty. Your announcer, George Putnam. And that was Great Plays, Robert E. Lee, from 1941 on NBC. Now let's close out this podcast with a little Gracie Fields, and I never cried so much in all my life. How about doing a favor for me? How about a song? Would you like to hear I Never Cried So Much in All My Life? I certainly would. Mr. Goodman, if you will. Joe took me to the movies the other evening, it was fine. They called it The Betrayal and the acting was divine. It's the best film that they've had for years round at the Hippodrome. And it's a good job I took my handkerchief with me when I left home. Oh, it was a lovely picture and I did enjoy it so. Oh, I never cried so much in all my life. When the villain seized the maiden, everybody shouted, oh. Oh, I never cried so much in all my life. He told her that he'd wed her, then enticed her on his yacht. Then he got her tied up in a proper sailor's knot. Then he kissed her twice, the dirty dog, upon her beauty spot. Oh, I never cried so much in all my life. It takes a lot to make cry but oh dear when I start and think of what that girl went through I'm like a water cart 
I see her eyes, I hear her voice at night when I'm in bed. And here's a scene I'll never, never get out of my head. As she faced the blinding snowstorm and came trudging through the town. Oh, I've never cried so much in all my life. Oh, and when I saw her carrying her baby upside down. Oh, I've never cried so much in all my life. She lingered near the Rosen Crown. The wind was howling wild. When up the village street there came the father of her child. So she tapped him for a tanner for a pint of old and mild. Oh, I've never cried so much in all time. That was very nice. Your song is... Oh, it's very nice, Tracy. I'm sorry we haven't time to let you do an encore. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more old-time radio. I hope you can join us then. Till then, this is Jim Dolan thanking you for listening.